Welcome to Verity. I'm your host, Felicia Masonheimer, an author, speaker, and Bible teacher. This podcast will help you embrace the history and depth of the Christian faith, ask questions, seek answers, and devote yourself to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. You don't have to settle for watered-down Christian teaching. And if you're ready to go deeper, God is just as ready to take you there. This is Verity, where every woman is a theologian. Welcome back to Verity with Felicia Masonheimer, except this time it's not just Felicia Masonheimer, it's Felicia and Company, which is actually my husband, Josh, who is here with me today. Say hi, Josh. Hello. (laughs) We are in our fifth season of Verity, and in this season, we're talking about Christian marriage. Now, this is going to be a more personal series than we've ever done before, because obviously I have a guest with me. And this isn't going to be a marriage series that's going to spend a ton of time exegeting scripture or teaching you how to apply all of these biblical truths to your marriage. It's going to more be a glimpse of how we walk out Christian marriage. And hopefully you glean something along the way that might encourage you in your marriage. Or if you're single and listening, might give you some things to think about as you're dating or as you're looking towards the future. So there are going to be 12 episodes in this series, and we are so excited to get to share a little bit of our story today. Yeah, yay, in this first episode. If you're listening to this marriage series, there's a good chance that you or someone you love is married. And that's fantastic because on December 7th, my brand new co-authored marriage book is launching into the world. It's called The Flirtation Experiment. And if that title intrigues you, good, because I can't wait for wives to pick this book up and be encouraged and equipped to pursue their husbands in ways they maybe never expected to do so. When I wrote this book, I was looking back on a year in my marriage when I was really struggling to cultivate a relationship with Josh. I felt lonely, I felt disconnected, and I realized that I could wait for him to change it or I could make the change. And so I made a list of 30 flirtations, all different kinds of ways to show him that I loved him. And through this experiment, I found that I actually was changed. I co-authored this book with my friend Lisa Jacobson, who's been married 28 years to my eight years, and we alternate chapters showing you the ideas that we used to cultivate an intimate and fun, romantic, and flirtatious marriage. You can pre-order the book now anywhere books are sold, from Amazon to Barnes & Noble to Christian Book, or you can go to theflirtationexperiment.com to get two free chapters in the introduction and to be notified when the book launches. I hope you guys will grab it. We have some awesome bonuses for those who pre-order, and I'm excited to get this book into your hands. So I just thought we'd kind of do a high level, just a a sharing time. about an introductory um, episode sharing a little bit about us and our story before we go into these other episodes that get into more detail and talk more about what scripture says. So I don't know, should we start? I guess we should probably start with our dating. We met in a bookstore parking lot. That's true. It was so romantic. And in fact, when we met, I liked the guy who introduced you to me. Yeah. 
And you were dressed in a very strange outfit when I met you. Yeah, I didn't really have any sort of, like, dressing abilities. <laughs> Fashion sense? Yes. <laughs> At least you were wearing clothes. That That is a good thing. But, yeah, when we met, I mean, I we've talked about this pretty openly, but you weren't very attracted to me. And I yeah, wasn't. I wasn't, you weren't really my type. No. Well, I was wearing, like, a ankle-length gray wool dress coat when you met me. I looked like General Lee. Definitely not from around here. (laughs) And you were in a green Abercrombie shirt and, or maybe it was Aeropostale. No, Aeropostale, definitely. And yellow plaid shorts. Yeah. Lemon lime. In February, I might add. So all this to say, we were pretty unlikely looking couple I guess yeah at the time and I mean how would you describe our relationship going forward from there well I actually backing up a little bit my roommate was the one who introduced us and he told me he's like Josh there's this girl that's like you know, she's calling me all the time. Okay, we have and, to, Oh my gosh, we have to clarify And, like, that. she sent me, like, these men's, like, bath products that she said she won in a raffle at some bridge club. <laughs> and, and he's like, man, like, you should, like, take her off my hands. And I was so like, well, well, do you have a picture of her? Oh, yeah. Yeah, pulls up Facebook. And I saw her profile picture and I said, I'm going to marry that woman. Which is bizarre for because you hadn't met me yet at all. Yeah, a little bit. It's so strange. Now, let me clarify, just for the sake of the record, that I was not calling his roommate all the time. He was calling me and I did send him those bath products, but they were indeed something I won and I had no one to give them to. So I gave them to him. Let's hope he doesn't listen to your podcast. (laughs) Hello, Brandon. Thank you for introducing us. Okay. So we really were an unlikely couple. We really didn't have a whole lot in common on paper. We were pretty different. I was working. Josh was a student at the time. I was working for the university. And so between the two of us, we were in different, a little bit of different stages, even though Josh was older than me. And we didn't share many common interests at the time, but we still were really drawn to each other. What would you say drew you to me? And then I'll share. I think initially her spunk and sass, she's just like, more engaging than previous interests of mine. And I was kind of at a point where I wanted like a mature woman who, you know, had like good core values and loved the Lord. And so that's what I was kind of looking for and valued in someone. And I could see that in her. Oh, well, and I, had repeatedly dated guys that I was attracted to or I had a very strong type and it kept not working out, which you think would be a clue. But I had never dated someone who I was friends with first. I always dated people to get to know them. And then after I got to know them, I found out, oh, no, this is actually not what I thought it was going to be. 
And then I would break up with them because I realized we weren't a good fit or whatever else was going on. And so I, I mean, I recognize now looking back that I was a pretty unhealthy person in those relationships and the way I was treating people in the way I was dating was not a healthy way to date. But I also think a part of it was that I had never been friends first with somebody that I dated. And so Josh was the first person that I was friends with first. And what I appreciated was that he really wanted to know me as a person and he was funny and he really seemed to want to get to know me not because of what I could offer to him, but just because he liked me. And so we were friends first because we were dating other people when we met. And the friendship part is what laid the foundation for us later on. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I'd say so. It laid a good framework for just getting to know each other and just how we just interact in a situation where we aren't influenced by infatuation or chemistry. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say the interesting thing that's been a theme throughout a relationship, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think is we've often been in crisis and that's what has brought us together. So we've been in more stressful situations in our time being married than perhaps the average young married couple. I don't know. I don't have anything to measure it against, but just stressful situation after another. And it started when we were dating and some relational drama that we were both in. And that kind of brought us together. And then after we were married, I think we continue to see that pattern of crisis that brings us together. Would you say that's true? Yeah, we definitely bond and grow through uh, challenges because, you know, maybe it's just because of the way we interact with each other. You know, I'm a nine on the Enneagram and she's a three and we just lean toward problem solving in situations like that and we work well together. Yeah, we do. Which I think, as we'll reveal over the course of this series, has been a blessing but also a curse because we work really well together when we have a crisis or a stress or a task. But then when those things go away, our biggest struggle is in peaceful times because mm. we're like, well, what do we do with each other? What do we have in common? <laughs> Other than we don't have a problem in common anymore. So what do we have gotten? Yeah. We're like the empty nesters when it comes to like problems. Yes. <laughs> we always need to have a problem because yeah, exactly. So that's something that we've been working on over the course of our marriage is to develop common interests. In fact, what was it when we went to our marriage counselors, so when we did premarital counseling, when we were dating and she asked us about leisure activities, I don't remember what yeah, happened there. Because there was none. There, there were none. Isn't that what we told her? We don't really have any. Yeah. We like listed things that each of us enjoyed individually, but it was difficult for us to come up with anything we enjoyed together. Like, yeah. You know, other than like skiing and stuff that we didn't really do too often. Yeah. And that, I would say, was consistently a problem for a good part of our marriage. Yeah. Probably five years, five of the almost eight years, maybe. Yeah. I think we listed like fitness as one if 
like we were able to work out, but that wasn't really possible once we had kids together at least. Yeah. At a gym anyway, not at home. So one of the things that we, I think that we really grew through was realizing that we might not have anything specific in common, but that we could take an interest in one another's interests. And I know that for a long time, I was very stubborn about that where I was just like, nope, I'm not interested in the things you do, so you can go do that with the guys, and I'll just read a book. But we have found some things, like fishing. We found Josh enjoyed fishing. I started fishing with him, and now I actually enjoy fishing with him. You've taken an interest in some historical things. He wasn't into history, but he's taken more of an interest in that. Yeah since we were together. So I think there had to be like a, a selflessness cultivated because, you know, you definitely took more of an interest in things I liked, but I struggled doing that in return. At least during the dating period. Yeah. And I would say <laughs> early marriage too. It was not, not great. So what would you say is something that you learned through those early years of marriage and dating? I think that I set the bar a little high initially, um, but I think that I should have shown more like endurance with it rather than it just being a sprint and it being kind of petering out. With like your pursuit? With, like, yeah, like pursuit and planning things because like I kind of got to the point where I was just like, well, it's her turn now. Yeah, you de- you did have a period where you got very bitter because you were like setting up dates and planning all this stuff and I wasn't doing anything in return because when we got married, I had this oh, super unhealthy view that very extreme view actually that basically because I'd been taught that the man was the pursuer and the man was the head of the household, that it was up to him to do all the pursuing, all the planning. I didn't do anything. And that was just what he was supposed to do. And the first year or two of our marriage, that's what it was until Josh just got tired. And I had not yet studied scripture on the topic to know that scripture fully supports and encourages a woman pursuing, which we'll talk about throughout this series. But I didn't think that. And so I left it all up to Josh and he he burned out on pursuit and then just kind of got apathetic, which made for some very difficult yeah. years in a different way. Yeah, I think it, you know, the pursuit was the only thing kind of nourishing the emotional relationship between us. And so when that went away, it was just kind of like, you know, a famine, a drought um, in our emotional side of our relationship. So Mm -hmm. we were both starting to become very deprived emotionally. And that's when we had Adeline. <laughs> yeah, we we yeah, we got pregnant with Adeline on our we found out we were pregnant on our one year anniversary. So we had her about what what would that be? One and a half years after we were married. And that was a huge, huge transition. She was born and we moved to a new state where we only knew one family and a Josh week before she was born. A week before she was born, we moved. And it was just 
so stressful. Josh was working super long hours with really negative job environment. I mean, what was it like? Yeah, a good day was eight hours with a one-hour commute each way. A bad day was 22 hours. With, with a one-hour commute each way. <laughs> so, And you were gone overnight a lot, too. Yeah, yeah. And I did a lot of 16-hour days. and Couldn't plan anything? No, like knew. the one day I planned to go dancing with Phi... I was on a service check and was just like, are we going to be done in time? And my boss was just all over the place. So I ended up just canceling and didn't make it. And it was so frustrating. (laughs) It was a a really sad time because I think I can even remember that night that I was sitting, you know, in our duplex alone and the babysitter had to be canceled and holding the baby and Josh was still gone. And the only thing that sustained me and us in that season was our church because we yeah. immediately found a church right down the street from us. And they were our family. They were our family. They surrounded us and supported us in that time. And, you know, we didn't know anybody really. The family that we knew was 30 minutes away. So we were just like, well, we'll try some churches. And this church just surrounded us. We were in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And it was just a gift in that season. And I just mentioned that because I think it's amazing how a healthy church with godly people actually supports a marriage. Like Mm -hmm. they saved our marriage in many ways, even though we were still having a hard time. That's our good church story. Yeah, that's our good church story. Yeah. So that was the hard, that was the beginning, I think, of the really hard years was that year in Pennsylvania, Mm. which would have been year two or three, two and three. And then into four and five, I think I would call those the hardest years for us because I think that's when we felt the most distant, would you say? Once we had moved up to Michigan, right? That would be four and five. Yeah. I think both. We still were struggling when we moved to Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Between four and five, I lost my job that we had moved up here to Michigan for. And so that was kind of, you know, I I stayed busy applying for jobs and stuff and you know didn't want to take too much of a a backward step occupationally but you know it apathy always sets in at some point or other when you're unemployed so it was tough and that's when Phi released Christian Cosmo yeah that's when I really started to begin selling some of my work to help make ends meet because uh, because he'd lost his job and I was pregnant with Eva. So I was seven months pregnant with Eva. It was the day after we signed the mortgage on our house. <laughs> so another <laughs> another crisis. Yeah. Yay, another crisis. So, you know, moving to Pennsylvania at 37 weeks and having Adeline a week later and then, you know, not knowing anyone and Josh's long hours and then our marriage struggling in that season, moving to Michigan him losing the job he got after signing on the house, you know, being pregnant again, it was just, you know, hit after hit while our marriage was already struggling so much with communication. And we were having the same fights over and over and over again. We'd go on dates and I feel like we didn't just didn't have anything to talk about. Like, (laughs) it was like, what? We don't have anything in common. 
outside of this job problem. You always seem bored when we go out to eat. We eat so quickly that like five <laughs> minutes in, we're just like, okay, now what? <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's still a problem. So yeah. now, now we don't go out to just eat. Now we usually do an activity if we can. Yeah. But we have more to talk about now. But back then, like we didn't have anything to talk about because we were in such... I think it wasn't just not having things in common. It was just not wanting to try because we were both not in a good place. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think just as far as like what we were expecting out of the marriage and just like not even like prioritizing one another. Right. Like not prioritizing one another and then wanting this good marriage to come out of thin air. Like, why aren't we having fun on this date? It's like wanting a flower to bloom without water in it. Yes, that's a fantastic analogy. It was very rough. And I think I have friends now who've told me they can see the difference now versus then, who've been with us in the five years since we moved here, but moved back to Michigan, who've said like the way we talked about each other then was very condescending or contemptuous. Who's telling you that? Well, a good, a good <laughs> friend, a good friend who loves us <laughs> said that back then versus now it is it was actually visible that the way we talked about each other was at times not kind. Yeah. And it was obvious that we didn't like each other. And I think that's the thing is we all think we can hide our marriage problems better than we actually do. Yeah. It comes through in our attitudes and in our words and our looks on our faces and things like that. And so her point was that there was a progress scene from then to now. And I think a lot of that, I would say a lot of that is due to our personal spiritual growth and also the people around us, the church, once again, supporting us simply as people and as a family. And that enabled us to grow our marriage. What would you say about like how you've grown spiritually? How has that affected like you as a husband? I think it definitely has you know, I've been in communication with other guys in my life, like strong Christian men that have been great sounding boards for like just things that I'm struggling with or, you know, feel like I might be inadequate in or, you know, just like seeking advice on how to cultivate our marriage. And so I get a lot of good feedback from them. So it's it's been a huge blessing to be a part of like a mentorship or a like an accountability group from just for a life, and um, you know definitely being in prayer and memorizing scripture and keeping my focus on the Lord has enabled me to pause before I blow up or most oftentimes at least and has allowed me to be more supportive and thoughtful in 
maybe even notice that the dishes need to be done. <laughs> <laughs> Historically, Josh has been completely blind to things that have been in the middle of the floor or dishes on the counter. They, he just, they don't even exist. But we all no. know that <laughs> socks are meant to be left next to the hampers. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of women that listen to this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I think I've definitely seen that in you that as you've grown spiritually, and I mean, you were a newer Christian when we got married or we, when we were dating, at least. You yeah. were a pretty new Christian. And even as a new Christian, like, theologically knowledge wise you were you know very much growing very new and and all of that but but i do think that one thing that's very apparent is that knowledge does not equal maturity Hmm. in faith because i knew a whole lot about the bible when we were in our first year of marriage and yet i was a very mean angry person still struggle with being an angry person but that first year who I was did not match the amount of knowledge I had about the Bible and who you were was you know very gracious and kind even though you needed to grow in your knowledge of the Bible and of the Lord so it just shows that knowledge does not equal spiritual maturity unless you are letting the Lord change your heart and unless you let the Lord change your heart you won't let him change your marriage. Um, and so that's something that we've both been working on for, you know, almost eight years now is letting the Lord change our hearts individually. Yeah. Um, we don't do devotions together. We really haven't in years, right? No, it, I think it can be difficult just based on a busy schedule as well as, um, just like I think when we did that that was the only time we had to do devotions and we did it together so we didn't have any individual time with the Lord right so it was almost like having a Bible study or a small group you go to and then you never have your actual devotions right or on a worst case is like going to church and never reading the Bible during the week so though it's great and it's unifying I think just with the stages of life we've been in, it hasn't been the best option. Yeah. For us, it was better to do a separate time with the Lord and then just talk about it Yeah. or pray together at meals or in bed rather than doing a, a time together in the word. It just didn't, didn't work. But as we've done those separate devotional times, I've seen you grow a whole lot. Um, Have you seen me grow? Yeah. Oh, good. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) I think there's just looking at our marriage, you know, since those super difficult years. Because in the difficult years, we both told each other, you know, why? I don't really like you. I don't like you, (laughs) which... I'm not sure I recommend saying that to somebody, no. but we both said, I know, in a bad place. I know why people get divorced. We even mm. asked, like, why are we married? Like, why are we married? Why did we even get married? Like, why did we think that this could work if we're so different and we have nothing in common? We actually asked that question just before we got engaged, actually. Yeah, we did. Uh, you know, you were traveling for your school conferences and we were just like, 
we have no common interests. Like, why are we even doing this? Yeah. When we were right before we got engaged, we both were just, we were both on business trips and we just felt like, gosh, why we don't have anything in common? Like, why are we doing this? We almost broke up, but we ended up back together. Like, I'll tell my side, then you tell your side, but I ended up back with Josh because I pictured him going on to marry somebody else and I knew I didn't want that to happen Mm -hmm. and I wanted, I couldn't imagine my life without him in it. And I know that sounds so cheesy and it sounds just like a Hallmark movie, but it really is what I thought when I was praying about it. I just thought if he's not there, I don't know what my life would be like. That in prayer is what I went on mm. to make the decision. And and was I completely 100% sure? No, I wasn't. I'm not sure that you can be completely 100% sure on somebody. You know, people change and you don't know every single part of them, but you're committing to them and you're risking love. Love is a risk. And so I took that risk on Josh, knowing his character. Why did you decide to stay with me? I think it was the hope that, you know, we could grow together and overcome the barrier and figure it out. You know, again, it's kind of a leap of faith. And I think in addition to that, it was a little bit of like, I couldn't picture myself with someone else. And, you know, I I did love her, so... Wanted to make it work. (laughs) So we did, even though, you know, four years later or three years later, we really were struggling and asking some of those same questions. At that point, we knew that we were in covenant to each other. And obviously this was not an abusive marriage. It was a very lonely marriage. At times. Yeah, we were both very lonely at times. But it was not abusive or neglectful. So those would be different circumstances. But we were just in a very unhealthy marriage. And the covenant that we knew we made really, I think, kept us together just by nature of it being a covenant Mm. until we could grow spiritually and get the counseling that we needed. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah. Yeah, kind of duty calls sort of thing. But kind of like the loyalty. Yeah, the loyalty and the accountability to the Lord and to the people who witnessed our wedding. Yeah. We take that very seriously. It's like if you go back on an oath, you might as well have not taken the oath at all. Right. So to us, the covenant biblically was before God. And because we didn't have a biblical means of, you know, leaving the covenant, which would have been abuse, unfaithfulness, it meant that we were going to have to find a way to heal. And that is part of what we're going to share in the rest of this series. We'll talk a little bit more about the different pieces of this story in depth, as well as the scripture that speaks to the different parts. And we're definitely not experts. We've been married almost eight years, which makes us like, not experts at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I will say, I mean, I think it's fair to say we've gone through a, a lot, lot, lot 
for yeah. like the first eight years. I you hear people, some people talking about like the seven year itch, and that's just like people who, you know, have pretty relatively easy marriages to the point that they're like, you know, things get hard or boring at seven years, and they just want to like up and leave. But we say that, like, well, we've never been bored, <laughs> and we never had it easy, it seems, for any, you know, duration. So we just passed right by the seven-year itch. Yep, we just flew right past it. Actually, I'd say year seven was probably one of the best years we've had. Yeah. We could call it the seven-year Sabbath instead of the seven-year mm. itch. Yeah, the year <laughs> jubilee. jubilee. It's the <laughs> jubilee year. Well, anyway, you guys, we obviously didn't run down the entire story of our marriage in one episode here, but we hope this gives you a better picture of what we've walked through together. And in the next 11 episodes, we're going to look at some more detail of what we've learned in those seven years together or eight years almost together and look at what scripture says about things like sexual sin in marriage and fighting and parenting together and all sorts of fun stuff like that. So I hope you guys will find this interesting and encouraging as we go through this series with you. And again, we're not trying to preach at anybody about how to do marriage, but we do hope that it gives you a picture of an everyday Christian marriage and what it can be. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Verity. You can connect with fellow listeners by following me on Instagram at Felicia Masonheimer or on our Facebook page by the same name. Also visit FeliciaMasonheimer.com for links to each episode and the show notes.